NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Cricket isn't fun in the sun with your mates. It's just a weekly social test where you're judged by rigs and runs, not by the content of your character. Cricket isn't going through a season undefeated. It's getting through a day and trying to find those little victories, like bounce throwing every single return to the wicketkeeper that you secretly hate, putting ice down the captain's shirt, or chasing a dog that's run on the field, and for that single fleeting moment, you forget that it's three for 462. Cricket isn't about copying the umpire's decision with good grace and moving on with things. It's the financial guilt you feel upon violently smashing your $700 grey nickels against a wall, an act of pure frustration brought on by yet another ghastly umpiring decision, one that will prove costly since you're currently between jobs and short on cash, having invested all your savings in a business opportunity recommended to you by a Facebook friend, which turned out to be a pyramid scheme with an unsustainable growth model that cost you everything, and by the time you've computed the negative financial implications of your actions, you look up and realise all your teammates are laughing at you. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Dave Edwards and Sam Perry as ever. Big show. Stuart McGill is on the show. You already knew that because you have uh, downloaded this podcast very kindly. We're speaking ODIs. We're talking Gleb Maxwell. We're talking worn emojis. And we're talking viral videos re-Alex Hales. And also ask TJC your questions, of course, on this week's episode of the Great Cricketer Podcast. Chaps, Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Good intro, Higgins. Increasingly Thanks. broadcast worthy, if I do say so myself. It's a weird week. Funny Don't week. you think? Funny because week. most of the time when we've rocked up into this uh, back room of Fox Sports, which we consistently refer to, and I expect to be fired any day now for continually denigrating their, uh, I guess, their settings. Uh, we're not talking about a test match this week. We've had ODIs. No, ODIs, yeah. Uh, because last week was test matches. Yeah. You guys remember that last week? We played mm-hmm. the test matches. Not the board game. Nah, and then and now we're doing the ODIs. Mm. Uh, and there's some T20 on the horizon. Yep. Um, and it's just really hard to keep up. I don't know how you guys feel about the ODIs, but I will ask you, how do you feel about the ODIs? Oh, not good, he goes. <laughs> no, look, I mean, every week someone will ask, do you care? I mean, do I care yeah, about this? Yeah. About and usually, caring. invariably, what the topic is, I don't care. But yeah. this time... Mm. 
I found myself caring and mm. it surprised me. Mm. And I think it was the moment that, uh, that Mitch Marsh hit his third maximum in a row. Yep. Right. I realised I've forgotten everything that happened over the last few weeks. I forgot that Australian cricket was in a national state of crisis, um, that we declared national emergency on cricket. Yeah. And I just allowed myself, you know, allowed that all to wash over me and just the, mm. the domination of our, our closest neighbour, New Zealand. It was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, Amber Alert on, uh, on all things Australian cricket. Um, I mean, but it was the second ODI is what you're saying, and midway through Australia's first innings of the second ODI, where well, you just forgot about the test matches and everything that happened before. What test matches? Well, it's mm. a good point. I thought you meant you forgot about everything in your life. Life stops when Mitch Marsh is scoring runs. Mate, and, that, and that's his promise, isn't it? That, that's why he's such a mm. polarising character, because mm. when Mitch is on song, you know, the sheer brutality of it all. The daily that, grind of life, mm. just, you know, works, trouble, you know, relationships, you know, Mitch Marsh comes to the rest. <laughs> <laughs> invariably. And so uh, from the top of the show, I presume we're unanimously in agreement that he should be reinstated immediately back into the test side. Mm. We, we and as Prime Minister, yeah. Well, I mean, Mitch Marsh is rig. Um, yep. And that's something that we've we've long held, uh, and uh, you know, Dave, you've always said that. I know yeah. that you've always said that. We've been desperate to talk about his rig, haven't we? But he just ha- doesn't have the runs, or hasn't. Had well, because I have it. been desperate um, for many things, but but least of all to speak about uh, Mitch's rig. Mitch is my mate, Mitch. His mm. rig, yeah. I mean. Mitch's rig and his runs together yeah. wasn't the only thing that came out of the second one day. Rig and, and runs. the first one day, there were a lot of great performances across the board. I mm. mean, we're going to have to talk about Steve Smith's incredible yes. 164 and an epic catch that went viral yeah. um, as well that got US media attention. Mm. Um, look, let, let's just talk about Steve Smith because, you know, he came into the came into our conscious, yep. you know, really, as just a, a young leg spinner who batted eight in a test side. He was essentially your third-grade 15-year-old leggy yep. who bats eight mm. um, and you're scared of getting out to. Yep. But, you know, he's, he's blossomed, hasn't he? He's that's really why blossomed. I, that's why I like him, and I don't want to denigrate a guy that is in the top three batsmen in the world who originally mm. came in as a leg spinner, but there is a part of him, and I admire it a lot, that will always be the, the leggy who bats eight and doesn't bowl and just well, looks he, a little bit ungainly. Mm. I, and let me be clear, again, on this public medium, that that endears him to me deeply. It makes him a real cricketer. Yeah. He is a yeah. great cricketer, one of the best in the game. Well, yeah. he was the original player of promise, wasn't he? Because any 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 young cricketer who comes in yeah. Yeah. to the grade setup, he was the original player of promise. And, yeah. you know, look, the player of promise delivered. in cricket, it's kind of like, yeah. He's kept like, it. He's kept it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean, there's, there's something about this, which is, I mean, Pez, on the, on the way over here, we were speaking about how the th- great thing about grade cricket is that you, it, it runs so closely to the professional realm that you can see it and it's tangible. You can touch it. And often pl- young players will be seen touching state players. Touching players. Um, <laughs> but, but, Stop doing that. <laughs> no, but, not inappropriately. What it comes down to is that Steve Smith basically was picked in the Australian team as a as a bowler, and now he's just the best batsman ever. Mm. And 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 increasingly, with our conversations of professional players that we've had on this very podcast, gentlemen, mm. is that these guys just they just like try something. Like Brad Hogg, just he he was picked in the state side as yep. a batsman, then he just bowled some wrist spin, and then he played a lot of Test matches. David Warner, for a period yep. there, was a leg spinner mm. who could bat a little bit as well. The <laughs> yeah. reverse of yeah, Smith yeah, yeah, yeah. went on to become yeah. a decent yeah. bat. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to play for Australia, like it's pretty much genetically already guaranteed, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Like, you're in the delivery room, you're mm. born, the doctor mm. goes, yeah, you're going to play for Australia, mate. Yeah. You're you know, with that rig, yeah. you're going to play for Australia. I wish I'd been told that. <laughs> it would have saved me about 
31 years. <laughs> Michael Clark was a bowler yeah. uh, for Western Suburbs. Yeah. 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 I mean, so all these things, are basically, it's, uh, Edo's, you're right. I mean, genetic. T- I mean, it's like being an Instagram model. Um, you know, it's yes. just winning that lottery of life. Yes. And, uh, and having an internet connection. That's right. Guys, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Steve Smith has a lot of interesting quirks when he's batting at the crease. He likes to move around a I've lot. I've noticed, yeah. Um, some people say this might be a symptom of, of obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. Do you reckon this is ever going to go away for him? Because I, I, when I look at the great Australian captains mm. through the era, you know, Border, War, um, you know, they don't give away much. You know, they've got real poker faces on mm. the field. Mm. Um, so do you think that this is going to grow out of this, or is this just Steve Smith for life? <laughs> this is a habit that he's it's like sucking on his thumb, um, <laughs> except he's removing, you know, he's, he's touching both pads, thigh pad, box, lid, both gloves, grip, face ball, same again. Mm. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's troubling. It's trouble. I'm troubled. <laughs> well, far be it from us to make comment about a, uh, a deeply debilitating disease like OCD that some people have. It is interesting to watch him bat because whenever you seem to watch Steve Smith or whenever I seem to watch Steve Smith with like a casual observer of cricket, one of the first things mm. they pick up is, gee, he's uh, fidgety Real around fidgety. the crease. But mm. maybe maybe the habits just work for him for whatever reason. Maybe he's just in rhythms that... that, that you it's know. just muscle memory. He wouldn't even know these things. I know um, Sanath Jayasuriya, uh, Sri Lankan left-hand opening batsman and cricketing legend Sanath Jayasuriya, had the same thing. He did exactly the same thing. He, he touched the top of both pads to shuffle them up to bring them up a little bit. Box, thigh pad, both gloves, lid, face ball. Mm. Uh, like it just, I don't think they'd even be aware that they're doing it. No, I mean, like if you look at, like, even I mentioned Steve Wall before. He even he had his red hanky, yeah. you know, that he drew upon. Um, yes, you yeah. know, the, all the examples that you just mentioned, mm. and you know, whatever works for you. If you need to turn the light on and off forty six times before you go to bed <laughs> in order to hit runs, do it. Cricket, cricket is a, is, a, is a sport where you know there's yeah. so many unknowns. You've yeah. got to do it works. Yeah. Did, did Did you guys have a view on? the ODIs being on generally. We're used to them mm. being on after Christmas. It's mm. this kind of mm. you know, posthumous thing that we're watching after Test cricket finishes. It's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of an appendix to the summer. Yep. We've now seen it reinstated to mm. a pre-Christmas thing. Do you, mm. do you have any care about that? We're talking about care a lot on the show tonight. I just think there's too much cricket, Sam, is my point, um, which I hadn't made until now. I now realise that. But, but there's just too much cricket. And, and, and I liked the notion of cricket, like the one day is being on in February and, and the beginning of March. It was like the icing on the cake of a brilliant, warm summer. And it was nice because there were, you only ever got to watch about like seven one dayers in a year because it was on Australian television. Um, but now it's on 12 months a year. Um, I don't mind it, but I just think that it's all a little bit incongruous that New Zealand that we're playing New Zealand. Like yeah. we just flew these blokes over here for yeah. a couple of one days just to you know just to do something. There's yep. nothing else on. We've got to do something. <laughs> Pakistan aren't here yet. What are we going to do? Let's have <laughs> yeah. a couple of one one days, yeah. boys. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that we're playing New Zealand inexplicably. Yeah. Um, There's no doubt it's a big old cash cow in world cricket, and we won't go into you know the administrative issues behind that. But the problem really? that I've got with ODIs is mm. that. As it, I mean, the first thing that I like about it being on pre-Christmas is that that's what it used to be like in 1994, and I want everything to be 1994 because that's when I was nine, and you know everything. And you, except everything the OJ great. incident, exactly. But last pre- time you were happy, exactly. But the best thing about the ODIs back then, and it wasn't it; they weren't even called ODIs. Was that like it was the space to explore novelty in cricket? Yeah, the kits were new you know, every year. The Australian cricket kit, the ODI kit, isn't even new. Give us a new kit, yeah, Cricket new Australia. Kit. Give us something new. Yep. to look at. 
uh, playing styles will be different, but that's all the reserve. That's all the re- you know. That's where you kind of innovated mm. and people yeah. experimented with mm. things. But now that's all the mm. preserve of T mm. Twenty cricket. Where does ODI fit in? It's like the bloody middle right, child yeah. of a family. Yeah, people used to debut interesting things like Brian Lara batting in sunglasses. Yeah. You know it, that was he chose that setting to debut that. Exactly, mm. a couple inside the, the circle, a couple out. I think what we're getting to here is mm. that ODI cricket is the first thing that should be killed off. Yeah. Um, and this feels very Lord of the Flies to me, and uh, and I think ODI cricket is piggy, is what I'm saying. But um, but I just I, we're all excited about Big Bash, right? That's what we're, that's what we're all trying yes, to get to. Very excited. Our UK listeners will also be excited by that. New Zealand and Australia listeners alike. I think we're all excited by getting to that. The Test matches, people, people still like the Test matches. They like they like the, the the safety and the feeling that Test match cricket is on. And now this added thing of day night cricket, that's interesting as well. You come home, and you get to watch two sessions of cricket. I'm all for that. Um, but but ODI cricket, what is it? There's too there's too many middle overs. Is forty over cricket the way forward? They play that in the UK. I'm not so sure. I'd I'd like just either more T20s and more Test matches, and probably sack off the the, the ODIs. I, th- I think I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry, I just thought just something else for a second. Uh, can I be honest for a second though? Please be honest. Before the match, both matches started, I still had in my head, and I'm lucky enough to work from home, the cricket's on, I'm going to watch the cricket, and I feel good about it. As yeah. long as people like me still have that feeling, maybe yeah. there is some survival to it. People like us will continue to roll up. Mm. And there was some safety in the two matches we've seen so far. We're recording on Wednesday night. Yeah. There's been two matches played so far. Mm. And, and the safety was that Australia scored a zillion runs in the first innings, yeah. and uh, knocked off New Zealand before the match had even started in the second innings. Yep. You know, they were two mm. down, three down. Mm. It was over. Mm. There was a lot about the 90s mm. uh, that, mm. that I felt watching that. I mean, back in the 90s, mm. they'd go to the news, Brian Henderson would be on it if you were from Sydney or whatnot, mm. and you'd come back and they had to sort of hurriedly show you the replay of <laughs> yeah. two wickets. It was two for 20. McGrath had taken both. Healy had taken one. Yeah. Mark Warren I enjoyed wondering what would have happened in those yeah. early overs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the best you, part. You're watching that. the sports report. And you're like, yeah, but I just want to watch Hurry the up, sport. Kenny Sutcliffe. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about Ash Wednesday. I want to know what's happening in the ODI. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the Irish Rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of interesting and innovative things that happened or, or don't happen in one day as anymore, one thing that did happen was mm. George Bailey chose that setting to debut his interesting new batting stance. Yeah. Guys, you must have some thoughts on this. Well, it's the first time he it's the first time he debuted it in an international scene, international scene because I have seen him do that in a Shield game before as well. Mm. And it's weird and it's confusing and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I like it. I, I like mean, it I'm, I'm just in favour of anything that's avant-garde and experimental mm. in cricket. <laughs> There's just not enough of that. You know, that kind of stuff can you know, lead to interesting social reform yeah. and, and really catch on in a way. Sure. Anything that screams unorthodoxy in Australian cricket is fine by me at the moment. Did you notice that um, during that, I think it was the second one day, um, speaking of George Bailey as we are, Michael Clark went on a weird little rant about the size of George Bailey's hands. Did, did you guys catch that? No, I didn't. I didn't catch it. Tell me more, Dave. Well, George Bailey went for a catch. Um, okay. it, it was well out of reach. Uh, <laughs> but Michael Clark chose this setting to talk about how George Bailey has a, the hands the size of 10-year-old boys. <laughs> That was how he decided to create the image. And then he just went, oh, you know, George Bailey wears youth gloves. George Bailey has really small hands. And then you could hear the guffaws of laughter, uh, much like you are at the moment. He goes, with all the Channel 9 commentators in the background. And it's just the most taboo subject, I think, is to to insult another man's hands on camera. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've always said that. I mean, like, I'm I'm more laughing at um, at Michael Clark going on and on and on about the size of a man's hands (laughs) more than the actual, the fact that, George Bailey does have 
small hands, if, yeah. whether that is the case. Because, uh, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of George Bailey because he strikes yeah. me, I and that. I might have said this in the past, that he strikes me as the kind of guy who would not only help you move house, mm. but also to, um, to, to bring along boxes of his own that he had lying around his place. Was this Clark trying his hand at some comedy? Like, I mean, when he started as his commentary career, he was quite refreshing in that he used to talk analytically about what was happening on the field. And like now, most commentators. And yeah. now is he suffering the Channel 9 curse of, you know, he's, he's falling into tired tropes and insults. I think Just take us into the dressing room, pup. <laughs> Get your analysis. Just get us in the dressing room. It's a big old sportsman's lunch, as Gus Wallen says. Just get us in there. Let's have a talk about GB's hands. Let's not worry about the catches he takes or how well he takes them. Let's just worry about the size of the actual material he's using to catch them. Boys, do you guys want to talk about Glenn Maxwell? No. (laughs) Can we make it brief? Well, for, for our international listeners who may not be uh, up to date with the Glenn Maxwell situation, um, Sam, you're probably in the best position, um, given that you've written recently about uh, Glenn Maxwell. What's he done and why? He's yeah. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> the story of Glenn Maxwell is an interesting one because it's a real, it shines a real spotlight on cricket and politics, and it's always titillating when cricket and politics conflate together. And we're watching it play out in public. So the story yeah. with Glenn Maxwell yeah. is that uh, he's an enigmatic player. He uh, goes about his stuff in a really entertaining, flamboyant, flash way. Mm. And in you know, for an Australian side that is searching for answers in their batting and bowling at times, particularly spin bowling, uh, he represents a potential answer. Nevertheless, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Maxwell came out and said that uh, it was painful that he was batting below his Victorian skipper, Matt Wade, mm. in the order. Wade being a wicketkeeper, Maxwell came out and said, it's my belief that a specialist batsman should bat above a wicketkeeper. Uh, he was absolutely trounced mm. in the press by his uh, colleagues at both Australian and Victorian level for saying exactly that. Uh, he, Darren Lehman criticised him for not scoring 100 uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, which isn't true. I think he was referring to shield level. Yeah. Uh, his captain, Steve Smith, fined him and publicly stated that he fined him uh, on behalf of the team and the leadership group. Uh, his Victorian colleagues, both present and past, Bob Quiney, Darren yeah. Berry, uh, said that you know while it's great to have honesty, it's a very selfish attitude, it's not a great attitude. Yeah. I've never seen such a severe response to um, reasonably kind of... What's the word? I mean, they're honest remarks, probably ill-advised remarks, but um, nevertheless, he he has been absolutely eviscerated in the press for them. Well, they weren't offensive. I mean, we've heard we've heard players in the current system say things on the field which are far worse, and, and there's been no um, like Matt Wade. So there's been there's there's, there's been there's been no uh, sort of bounce back from that. But um, I think what what. Maxwell said was, as you say, ill-advised and just a bit silly. I mean, like, if he wanted to get the point across that he wanted to bat higher above the order and above certain players, he could have just said, you know, I'd like to be getting a better opportunity, um, you know, for Victoria, and I hope to be scoring more runs soon. Therefore, then people go, oh, where's he batting? Oh, he's batting behind. Why? That's weird. Then the conversation starts organically. He doesn't need to explicitly say, I should be batting higher than the captain, because that's never gone well for anybody at any level of cricket. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the way that the public has kind of leapt to Maxwell's defence in this case, because a couple of years ago, it was completely the opposite of that. And especially after he played that reverse sweep, Mm. uh, when they were, I think, were in the UAE playing against... Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan. Batting number three for And he was country. batting three for Australia. And he said later that the reverse sweep, defending his reverse sweep, saying it's like a cover drive for other players. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That, that really, uh, you know, made people question Glenn Maxwell and everything that he stands for. <laughs> yeah. um, but he seemed, you know, from the outside to have gone away and, and maybe worked on his game a little bit, publicly saying things like he was going to, you know, get runs at shield level, which he apparently has. Mm. But, you know, is it, is it because this is all tied in with the Wade argument? You know, Maxwell v. Wade, mm. Neville v. Wade. 
I mean, I know in America they have Roe v. Wade, which is an equally contentious <laughs> issue. <laughs> was going. Is this uh, R. Roe v. Wade? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I think the story here is about an administration who are really keen to assert their authority and. Uh, you know, a couple of guys in Smith and Lehman who are a little bit under pressure to show some authority. Smith has said yeah. from the start of the season that, you know, this team needs to be louder. People have called for him to show more personality. I wonder yeah. whether his, you know, public stating of a fine for Maxwell is a way of showing, so it's demonstrating his culture. authority. Lehman is a guy under stress, I think, as well. Uh, you know, from it, people are coming at him from all angles. He's probably had enough of players speaking out and wanted to just uh, come down on Maxwell hard. The, it wasn't the right thing for Maxwell to say, but I just feel like was it, it was a little bit over the top. It was a bit disproportionate, I think. It, it happened at like a state press conference, didn't it? Mm. And he was talking about a state teammate. So wasn't it a state issue? I mean, I know when, you know, sometimes state governments and Commonwealth governments mm. can overlap in, mm. you know, in issues mm. like health and transport. Mm. Is this, was this should have been a state issue? Well, Why did Australia have to make it a Commonwealth issue? Is it issue? a fair well, federal issue? It's certainly a jurisdictional problem. Mm. Uh, I completely agree with you, what you're saying there, Dave. Yeah, and, uh, and we'll have to look at the, you know, the appropriate legislation before we, but before what, we move on. what kind of kangaroo court is this, though? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> when has a fine ever worked? I mean, yeah. you, we've all been fined at great cricket level. Has that yeah. made us better people? Yeah. Uh, no. No, worse. No, worse, if anything. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Maxwell situation anyway. Stick around, Stuart McGill coming up. Are you upset that no one comes to watch you play cricket? Are you tired of no one appreciating you for the talented third grader you are? The Cricket Family is the first program dedicated to helping people like you feel relevant again. We have a database of over 1,000 out-of-work actors who can come to your games and masquerade as your friend, girlfriend, wife, parents or grandparents, helping you create the perception that the people close to you actually care about what you do. Ah, great shot, Jason. No, I'm proud of you, son. The Cricket Family, helping cricketers feel relevant once again. Boys, the, the guests just keep getting better. Mm. Uh, we, we've got on the line with us, and we said this at the top of the show, he goes, mm. uh, Stuart McGill, one of Australia's all-time greatest bowlers, players, in my view. Uh, I've always had more than a soft spot for leg spinners, and Stuart was one of my favourites. Uh, McGiller, if I dare call you that, despite having never met you. Call me what you like. <laughs> <laughs> Most people I played with did. <laughs> we might get into that in a second. Although They also yeah. list your nickname as Sweet Prince on Wikipedia, so we might ask you that a little bit later as well. But uh, yeah. thank you for joining the great cricketer, mate. That's mighty big of you. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm wonderful, um, especially now that you're calling me McGiller. It's great. I'm <laughs> wonderful. We, we always kick off the same way, McGiller, uh, and, and that is to ask you, look, you're, you're an international player of great repute, one of Australia's all-time greatest bowlers. Um, but what is your relationship to grade cricket, more importantly? I will say I was kind of an old bloke when I, when I started playing for um, um, you know, even New South Wales. I didn't play for New South Wales until I was 26. And so I guess um, my relationship to grade cricket's a hell of a lot stronger than, you know, some of the young blokes <laughs> that are playing for Australia nowadays. Because um, I thought for a long period of time that was all, that was as good as it got. Um, you know, playing grade cricket in person in Sydney, and um, I know, that's that's just what I was. I was, I was. I was pretty much like the rest of us, you know, just just a normal guy trying to trying to trying to play a bit of quick cricket on the weekend, and then. I moved across here and all of a sudden things, you know, I, I got to play a couple of other games here and there as well, which was, um, but grade cricket, you know, 
that's what used to make us, you know. And I, because I, 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 I'm, because I'm over forty now, I'm allowed to talk about the good old days. <laughs> please, in good please. Old days, in the good old days, grade cricket was uh, was a pretty big deal, and um, and uh, you know, I think it, it's the reason that I, you know I became quite good. <laughs> and you, you, you definitely you did become, become quite good. Quite good. Did you learn any uh, kind of life lessons during your time in grey cricket? Obviously, you come across a, a bunch of characters yeah. from all walks of life. Any any life lessons? Well, you know, the, the thing is, I, 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 my, my last my last two years in Perth, yeah, life lessons. I did. Everybody when they retire, they, you know, you talk about, oh, what do you miss? You know, about uh, you know, if you're a footy player or you know, cricket player, whatever, what do you miss? And people talk about, you know, I miss the camaraderie. And I think most cricket players don't even know what that means. But, uh, <laughs> I have a spell. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> seriously. Um, I'd love to see Davey Warner having a crack at it. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 right, but I, 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 like the last two years in Perth, you know, we just had a great time. I think mean, we, you know, minor, minor premiers both years, but got crunched like severely in the semi finals, you know, out first week. But those mates were really good. We, I mean, we even we even started a band when none of us had much talent. But that's how that's how tight we were. We just had a great time, um, and, and just for um, uh, you know anybody that's keen, uh, the band was called the Dot Balls. Um, <laughs> and I, look, I don't think you'll find any singles out there because we were seriously underground. But, oh, um, good. Yeah, was, I think that was some of Richard Chiqui's early work, wasn't it? Yeah. With, with the <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was very mainstream. Way before that, they were pretend they were just pretended to the throne. This was just hardcore <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, no, but that that was look, that it was sort of um, it was about the the the, the mate sort of side of things, and and the fact that we were all really really different guys, and and probably the closest I got to that later was you know, the last sort of four or five years I played. Um, club cricket here. I was at Sydney Uni, and um, the the changing room there really did kind of mirror. That was the closest I'd ever got to to those last couple of years at South Perth because um, um, it, you know you got a couple of kids who are students, a couple of older blokes who are you know got some pretty heavy hitting um, commercial jobs in Sydney, and then you've got you know guys like me who. So you know, apart from cricket, haven't really held a job down. So um, it's it's it, um, it was kind of it was kind of cool, and I, and and you do learn. See, my life lesson would be that you do learn to respect people from all walks of life because you know that you know, provided you got a common goal, um, it's you know it's possible to get on with anyone really. And it was really cool. It was great fun at Sydney Uni, much the same as itself to. If we could speak about, I mean, I presume one of the highlights of your own career, Stuart, um, happened on the grey cricket field and, uh, and, and not certainly in a playing capacity necessarily, but, um, but when you were told you were going to play for Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was, I was playing for North Sydney at the time because, yeah, as, you, as you'll probably you work out, I've had, had more clubs than, than you've had breakfast. But um, <laughs> I... Um, not even hot I, breakfast, just breakfast. No, no, just breakfast will stop. I mean, what's a hot breakfast nowadays? Um, but... <laughs> So how there we go back to the good old days. Um, but, um, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I was playing for North Sydney, and I'd been actually um, I'd been in Perth, but uh, New South Wales had played a um, I think a one day or in Perth, and it was the first time I'd ever gone back to Perth with the New South Wales team. Mm. And New South Wales had let me stay an extra day. I, I didn't have to fly back home with the team, 
um, on the sun on the I think we played maybe on the Friday or something like that. They they let me sort of have a long weekend in Perth, so I you know had a pretty massive weekend with my mates. Um, and then we were playing club cricket on the Monday. It was the Monday long weekend here here in Sydney. And so I got back, and I was feeling pretty. I was actually feeling pretty rough. You know, I was having a massive weekend in Perth, then a long flight back, then, and I actually turned up to the ground at Dremoyne that week with no like I, all I took was my cricket kit and like so no circuit gear or anything like that. Because the, the North Sydney boys after the after each day's play, they used to like to sort of you know hit it pretty hard, and I just sort of went, well, I can't leave anything to chance here. I didn't bring any. I bought, bought, a, bought a pair of shorts, no shoes. Like, just so that they couldn't drag me out. And um, um, then, you know, so I'm playing. Um, and, you know, actually, I, I did, despite despite my poor preparation, I did, I did I was bowling quite well. And I don't remember how many wickets I got, but I, I got a couple. And about um, getting through and over, um, Trent Johnson, who's New South Wales coach now, and, you know, played for Ireland, Captain Ireland, he came up to me. And when I was bowling, you, you, you know, it, it was probably, you know, not the smartest move to to talk to me. Um, <laughs> but I tend to just sort of think, well, you know, I mean, I, I know everything about everything at the best of times, but when I got the ball in my hand, you know, seriously, there's nothing you can add to the conversation. So just, <laughs> stay away. But TJ, I, li- I like TJ, so I sort of, you know, allowed him. But as he's, you know, he's called me over, and as he's called me over, I sort of think to myself, you know, what does he want? Oh my God, what does he want? You know, he's a good bloke. Let's humour him. Well, you know. um, Constant and conversation in your head. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, it was just, you know, having, obviously, you know, having, having an in, a little uh, conversation with myself in my head, which unfortunately happens a lot. Um, but but he, he, um, he said to me, and I thought he was going to talk about the field or some, you know, crap like that. Um, but what happened was um, he said to me... Uh, uh, what are you doing next weekend? Um, and I went, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm thinking, what the heck? Okay. Don't, don't I'm in the middle of anything. Depends if I bring my clothes on. I'm in the middle of an over, TJ. What the hell are you doing? Can you help me move? I don't know, TJ. He said, you're going to Adelaide. And I went, no, I'm not. I'm not going to Adelaide. What are you talking about? And I'd not joined the dots at all. He said, yeah, you're going to Adelaide. And then he said, you know, you've been picked to play for Australia. And, you know, it's, it's still... I remember it really, really well because mm. I just couldn't... I just couldn't get my head around it because mm. there was no... I, I didn't... I couldn't really make rhyme or reason. I couldn't work out why they'd picked me. Mm. I mean, I'd been having a pretty good year for New South Wales, but I, I, I just didn't really sort of factor myself into a team yeah. at that stage. And... Um, um, yeah, so they picked, and then then the phone, the phone at Dremoyne Oval, the phone used to um, be on a loudspeaker, the uh, the the ringer. So I guess so that you know, because it's a typical grade club in those days. It's vastly different now, as you know, mm-hmm. you know, stadium. But it, in those days, you know, you know, a couple of the parents were running the you know the, the tuck shop and and that sort of thing. So they used to have those, the phone on a loudspeaker, and and the phone just started ring and ring and ring over and over and over again and it was like it was uh, I, you know it was quite was quite ridiculous really I mean it really does sound had, like the old days Stuart people aren't even calling that. you mobile they're just calling the ground I know, I know, seriously 
to wish yeah. you well. I mean, one thing that I that strikes me with that, Stuart, it always feels like a privilege, if I could be earnest for a second. Uh, yeah. It's always a privilege to hear the stories of players who've been picked to play for Australia and what it meant for them to be mm. told. I mean, mm. we, we heard Rob Quiney a couple of weeks ago tell us about John Inverarity taking him for a walk around, you know, the SCG members and stuff. Another thing that strikes us from talking to some of these players, you know, who've achieved the dreams, whereas ours died when we were 10, is... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's, there's often a, like a, people often reflect quite um, interestingly about their Australian careers. A couple, of the, a couple of the guys have said, oh, look, I haven't really had, you know, that good of an Australian career or they've, I've talked it down. Mm. How do you reflect on your time playing for Australia? Um, well, no, I probably, I'm probably a little bit more positive than that. And, and, and um, look, part of the reason for that is because um, I... Um, you know, I did play. I did. You know, so I got picked for Australia at 28, um, and 26 New South Wales. And I kind of figure, and and my my, my dad played maybe I don't know somewhere between six and 12 games for Western Australia, and and I, and like you know loved cricket. And and I and I I kind of always figured, and I I, I always figured that guys who would like you know like yourselves, who would have killed to play one game for New South Wales. Um, if I'd just played one game for Australia, it, there's, there's kind of no shame in, you know, like, that's a massive thing, right? And if you look at, you know, the picture of all the guys who have played for Australia, I mean, even most recently, you've got Ferg and, um, and Joe Many, they might never play again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 like, so just one game and, um, you know, it, it really did make a big you know, deal to me, and the fact that I was able to get some wickets in there as well. I and mean, there's only one game that I can really think of where I, I choked, um, and 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 really didn't bowl. I bowled absolute shit, <laughs> um, uh, and that that was um, that was in Adelaide against the West Indies. Brian Lara just went berserk, and I I, I lost it. Couldn't didn't know what to do. Um, uh, Fair enough. We'll be there. But, yeah. Look, mate, you said that earlier in the interview that the best thing about grade was that. You know, everyone was a little bit different. You, you started a band with your mates. You know, guys yeah. had serious commercial jobs and so forth. Yeah. But I think throughout your career, I mean, per- people in the media and often people would speculate that you yourself were a little bit different, or as we say in great yeah. cricketer parlance, a rare unit. Unique, um, <laughs> unique mate. I'm unique. unique. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted, I just wanted to get your um, your take on that because that was a theme that kind of ran throughout your whole career. That you know, Stewie McGill was a little bit different. Did you feel that in the change rooms, or what's your kind of you well, know so look on that? So this, this is the thing, right? So, so um, look, because I was old, I was older. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd um, you know, I'd, I'd already worked. I had other jobs and stuff like that. You know, I worked in restaurants and and bars and, you know, um, you know, trying to do sales jobs and stuff like that. And so I'd, 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 had, a, I'd had other stuff to do um, before <laughs> cricket. And, and so you become very, very... And, and part of the reason I eventually started to get picked is because I was very certain of what I had to do out on the cricket field to, to make it work. So... So was it like a day job for you? Like, I mean, you, you talk about no, people. no, 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 no. It wasn't a day. No, no, it was never a job for me. Unfortunately, I probably, I probably could have done with thinking it was a job a little bit more. But I bet it was. But it was just something that I was good at. You don't, you don't very often get to do things that you're good at. And 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 I had the opportunity to do it, um, and you know, do it for a job. And and I, I know I'm never going to be as good at something else as I was at, at cricket, which I didn't want to let it go. You know. 
So I, I, I knew that this is what I had to do in the changing room. If I sat there and watched all day, I'd, I'd go insane. So I'd read a book. Um, I started reading a book just so I didn't have to watch the cricket. Um, um, I, 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 uh, I mean, in fact, and, and Buchanan on one trip, or it might have been Jeff Marsh even when he was coaching, used to, you know, get the shits with me actually because I wasn't watching the cricket. I'm going, seriously, mate, I can watch if you like, but I won't be here next week. <laughs> you know, I'll be locked up somewhere. But, but I, 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 I knew, um, you know, in terms of my spin bowling hand, you know, I was like before I went on the ground, nowadays especially, you know, guys in the change room all come around and shake, you know, want to shake your hand. Every single bloke go around the room and shake the hand and it's all this sort of, you know, team hug crap, you know. Um, but I didn't want anybody to shake my bowling hand before I went out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I, it's I didn't like, it's like a prime minister or a president. You've got to keep no, that stuff no, in order. Well, it's it, your livelihood. You know I mean, I, I, I should have been respected like that, but that was it. I just didn't want it to be slippery and sweaty. Like <laughs> <laughs> That was all it was. So, I like so it. I, actually, a hand I actually just sort of said, yeah, so now I, I do the old reverse type vibe, you know. So, so <laughs> I, mean, I became cooler. I became cooler than the, than the prime minister, really. Yeah. So, you know, so, so, so you originated the fist bump, basically, to protect your spin oh, bowling hand. Well, look, I'm McGill invents the, fist bump. I preferred the dismissive, uh, you know, reverse, reverse five. But that was just, you know, just get out of my face <laughs> sort of stuff. But, you know, I think I, think, I, think I, I, I was different in the changing rooms, but mainly just because um, I, I knew that, that I had to, you know, if I'd been bowling all session, I'd just sit in the corner with my feet up, read newspaper and pretend that we weren't at the cricket, just completely zone out, and then I'd be ready to go again. Um, and I really respect... If, if you were, but I respect... As I said, if everybody in the changing room has the common goal, then nobody really cares, mate. I mean, everybody knows that, you know, Matthew Hayden and, and Justin Langer used to, you know, have a, a special relationship, inverted commas. Um, but, everybody. But, yeah, everybody. Oh, it's yeah, like Australia and the US, knows. yeah, special oh, relationship. They could never have filmed it. It was, uh, you know. But um, when they were going out on the field, Matthew Hayden would be sitting outside the changing rooms you know, pretending he was a you know a Buddhist monk, and and Justin Langer um, would be inside with the musical up loud, jumping around, bouncing around, smiling, and everybody like, yeah. and they just prepared very very differently, and no, nobody nobody even blinked twice because then the second they'd walk on out on the field, bang, it's a unit, it's a team, and and they just prepared the way they had to prepare, and I think that's one thing that people need to remember in a cricket team, and a very good cricket team. You actually want eleven different personality types because that means you win just about everything. That, that's a really interesting comment, Stuart. In the current yeah. context of Australian cricket, uh, yeah. you're describing a situation where, even though the side was together, you celebrated difference. Do you yeah. see any of those similar themes in the current Australian setup, particularly no. with um, reference to, let's say, for example, what's happening with Glenn Maxwell at the moment? I actually see this to be a very big problem. Like. Um, you know, you know, you, you hear a lot of you know, a lot of people probably making reference to you know cookie cutter, um, you know, mm. cricket players. You you can't you can't manufacture an ideal personality type and you know behaviour type in out out of the cricket team for both batsmen and bowlers. We're not bowlers are very different to batsmen. Not all bowlers are the same. 
some batsmen, you know, you just sort of slap them on the back. And, you know, I, I would never... So Andrew Simons, for example, I would never have made him go to a team meeting. And, yep. of course, as we know, famously not going to the team meeting almost defined his career, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it was, abs- it was an absolute waste of time for him to be there because... And, and look, to be honest, most team meetings you've been in, it's, it was a waste of time for most people to be in there because it's just a pile of crap. But, <laughs> but, 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 but Simo, I would much rather have seen him have a day off the day before a game and go fishing. And then on the morning of the game, because he wanted to play, he's a, good, he's a great cricket player, you, you, you grab him in the changing room, you, you know, like, almost like a rugby league, grab him by the shoulder and say, right, we're going to do this, 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 this and this, whack him on the ass and send him out on the field. And he'd have done it. He'd have been, you know... And, and the great teams that I've been a part of, that's the sort of thing that we have done. And, you know, I mean, Steve Waugh was, was probably the, the best at it. He, you know, he controlled our team, you know, very, very well. And he knew the different personality types and he knew that he liked it because it was, you know, it, it, was, it was a strong cricket team as a consequence. And, you know, and he took the time. He, he really did take extra time to get to know each of the players and what they liked and what they didn't like, just so that he, you know, he could allow them to to to, to play and prepare the way that they needed to. Whereas now, seriously, I don't know whether it's I don't I don't, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or whether it's just a controlling thing or, but you, you know, if you're not exactly the same, you don't wear the same, your hair the same way, have the same car, have you, you know, you're an outcast, and I, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, we forget. With you mentioned, you mentioned Maxwell. A couple of days before, Darren Lehman had said there's been so, so many hundreds made in Australia in the last couple of years, and Glenn Maxwell hasn't made made any of them, and that's why he's not that. That's why he's not playing for Australia. And so of course, the next day he's going to go. Well, you know, you, you want to know why I haven't made any hundreds? I'm batting after Matthew Wade. Mm. And I, I think it, it was actually perfectly acceptable. For him to say that. Stu, so we're on to that uh, part of the interview where we give you what we call some throwdowns, metaphorical throwdowns. Uh, as, a, as a book reader, you'd be familiar with metaphor. Um, yeah. We're going to ask you a couple of questions. You've probably got, what is it, he goes, a sentence to respond? Yes, yeah, just as right, quick I'll, as you can. I'll, I'll try it, yeah, as quick as I can. You, you're expecting me to finish the sentence, eh? <laughs> uh, some, okay. some, something right. like that. We'll, we'll set the rhythm for you. Who's going to kick us off? Ian has been pointed at. Look, I'll just, I'll just go with the most obvious questions to you. Let's kick this thing off. Our best batsman you've ever dismissed. Keep in mind uh, to our listeners, you've dismissed Ricky Ponting in a Shield game. You've dismissed Brian Lara, Sachin, VVS Laxman, and, and Callis was your first Test wicket. So who was the best ever? Um, uh, Brian Lara, by, by you know, his head and shoulders. Um, uh, he was, you know, he's just the most devastating batsman I've ever seen in my life. And I, I love getting him out. Um, and I don't think he liked it very much. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, it's well documented that you're a man of viticulture, fine wine, etc. So, uh, and I think we have a few questions on this topic, but I'm going to kick it off first. In the sphere of alcohol, in the sphere of alcohol, Stuart, if Shane Warne is VB, what are you? Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. Everybody says fine wine, Stuart. I, I, listen, I, I'm not afraid of a cardboard box. I'll, I'll have a bit of a look around. So, yeah, everything else. Everything else. Have you ever played Goon of Fortune? Yes. Oh, great. 
Seriously. <laughs> and and as, as we all know, you've got somewhere to sleep later. Great. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, we, I, I mean, let, on a more serious note, um, in your dreams... No, hey, mate, don't, don't make fun of Gunnar Fortune. No, 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 I'd no, 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 no. love yeah, to talk yeah. more about yeah. after call. <laughs> um, look, I'm just wondering on a more serious note, in your dreams, how do you kill Shane Warne? Oh, do you know, there's actually a story here. I was, sponsor, I was sponsored by Saab at one period of time, a long, long time ago, and they said, you know, do you have a recurring dream? And I said, I thought I was hilarious, of course. I said, yeah, look, it's more of a recurring nightmare. A lunatic in a black Saab convertible tragically mows down Australia's greatest ever spin bowler. And, and, and years later, listen, true, true story, years later, Warney came up to me and he said, mate, what was it about you trying to kill me in a car? Why did you do that? And I said, mate, Shane, it was a, mate, it was a joke, dude. Like, that. like you know. And he went, oh, mate, that was just out of order. And I thought that was hilarious because because it was just, you know, that was obvi- obviously one of his mates had told him what was in the paper. And it was it was just a joke. And, I, you know, I guess I don't have a very good sense of humour. Uh, Barossa, Burgundy, Bordeaux or Borello? Can I have all of them, or <laughs> um, or a box? That, that's not fair. Oh, look, you go. I'd, I'd start with a Burgundy and and probably finish with a, a Barolo. But the the Barossa would be where I'd go to, um, you know, or for all of them if I had to. I guess is that one of your favourite wine regions in the world, the Barossa? Well, do you know it's it's where it was, that's what I started drinking when um, when I started drinking wine. But but it's a great place. Got lots of mates there. Mm. I probably just don't drink as big a reds as I used to because I'm getting old. Just, oh, this isn't part of the throwdown section, Stuart, but I've got this image of you now post-match in any kind of uh, setting, whether it's grade cricket or professional yeah. or otherwise, where most of the guys are having a beer. W- would you have just a big uh, a big glass of red there after the match? Yeah, no, so, so um, you can imagine if it's 40 degrees, I've just bowled 40 overs, um, you know, I'm feeling pretty, pretty bad, it's, you know hot and humid in Sydney and some and, and it would happen in the changing rooms in, in Sydney then guy would walk over with a bottle of red I looked at him because you know they were trying that they were, they were being very very nice you know to do that for me. but I'm thinking to myself 40 degrees 95% humidity I've just been smashed all over the, and you think I want to buy a glass of red <laughs> was it a, he- like, a heavy red like yeah. a cabernet yeah, 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 heavy red yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a glass of chardonnay Seriously? Yeah, oh, delightful. Absolutely. Crisp bomb. No, mate, definitely. Cheeky Chardonnay all over. Little cheese platter hours. with, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah really get in there. Uh, just, uh, Stuart, we were talking about Matt Hayden earlier. Um, yeah. Now, it's well documented, or it's been documented recently, that he had uh, an inner trust circle. Um, just wondering, uh, <laughs> just wondering whether right, you had, wondering whether you had one, and if so, um, who was in yours? Was, was Matt the only person in his circle? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I um, uh, look, when the bowlers got on really, really good. I, I think, I mean, I was, I, was, you know, I was lucky to play with McGrath and Gillespie and, you know, um, and Brett being as, um, a good mate too. So, you know, we did, the bowlers kind of got it, you know, um, and yeah, that. But was you didn't draw a physical mind. circle with people's names in it or dot points mm. plotted inside and outside. <laughs> yeah, well, Venn diagram. I, I, yeah, I'll tell you about the inner circle one day, but maybe not now. Okay, because <laughs> it's a very technical thing. The inner circle. You've got, to, of course, have have have. Um, if there's an inner circle, that means an, there's an outer circle. That's right. And then and then outside the circle, I normally put a box because then all the people that you hate, you put them outside the box. <laughs> And when you see him, you can go, you know what I love about you, mate? You're always outside the box. And they think it's, 
and they think it's really cool and that you respect them, but you don't. If you're outside the box, you're a moron. <laughs> and uh, and uh, which box would you say John Buchanan's in? <laughs> oh, look, look oh, I don't know. Do we? Who, who's he again? Enough <laughs> said. It's coming up to Christmas. Yeah. Will you be sending John a Christmas card this year? Yeah, as I said, I can't recall ever meeting a guy like John Buchanan. Right, right. Buchanan. I'll look you up. Yeah. Uh, Stuart, your dad also bowled leg spin. Um, mm-hmm. How does it feel uh, when uh, you ask him, how many test wickets does he have when he tries to alpha you at Christmas lunch? <laughs> well, from all reports, uh, he, he never turned a ball in his life, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, when I got, um, I got my 100th test wicket, I was in the West Indies, and Dennis Lilly was a, a good mate with Dad, and uh, um, I got to 100 quicker than, you know, a test or so quicker than I did Dennis. So I, I called him up, and I, I said, oh, you know, um, ask, ask Dennis how, how many, you know, how many um, tests it took him to get to 100. And he, Dennis called me, and he said, how many, how many tests did it take you to get to 300? <laughs> <laughs> There's always okay, someone better. There's always Dennis, someone. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Stuart, just just one final one. Um, your granddad actually dismissed Bradman in a Shield yeah. game. Um, what's the closest thing you've ever done to earn his respect? You know what he was? Because oh, he, he's my hero. My grandpa was my hero. He opened the batting and the bowling for Western Australia, and yeah. uh, you know I, I wanted to be him. Um, and I think that the, one of the other one of the reasons why I was my hero is because I, I don't think he ever didn't respect me. He, he, you know, he used to come and watch me play club cricket every weekend in. In, uh, in 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 Perth and and uh, you know he came over to my first game to New South Wales and and I think I, I did man I, I did it's funny you brought him up you know I, he was he, he you know I loved playing with him there because he, he he loved it and he just enjoyed me playing you know which was really cool yeah but he was uh, you know it's excellent because not only did he open the batting and bowling. But there's a book called Chuckers, and he's in it. <laughs> so apparently he chucked him. We got his tombstone. Correct, to be in the Chuckers book. Is, uh, is, is Morley in that book as well? Should have been. Should be the post on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> on, that, on that note, Stuart, uh, just on behalf of the boys, thank you so much for joining our podcast. It's been really excellent to discuss with you. You know, being in an underground band called the Dot that's Balls, it, but also your, your your appreciation of playing for Australia as well, and uh, and you know that's not lost on us. That mm. uh, you, you're grateful for your time having done it. You've got some amazing stories that have come out of it. We'd love to have you back on the show to fully explain the Venn diagram of who's inside and outside <laughs> oh, the yeah. circle, and then outside oh, the box. Very technical. That, you're very yeah. technical, but I mean, you're more than welcome. Uh, we we know you live close to studios as well, but uh, mm. yeah, just on behalf of us, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. No problem, boys. Let me just uh, you say uh, I've enjoyed it to such a degree that you're inside the box. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll delete our account. You're in a circle, but you're within the, the main box, so we're on the field anyway. Oh, very <laughs> happy. Good one. Thanks, Thanks Stuart. Stuart. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading the grade cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, um, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. Lads, we're on the internet. And we've been copied into a lot of things, uh, none more so than a piece of footage that emerged this week through My Cricket. Yeah. We have a strong relationship with My Cricket. It was mm. on ES, 
PN Crick info as well. Yeah. And it's this kind of grainy, shaky footage of uh, a, a bustling uh, grade cricketer from Melbourne Uni Cricket yep. Club bowling to the international, let's say superstar for the mm. purposes of this story, sure. uh, English player Alex Hales. Mm. And th- this bloke is raining down bounces on him yep. at, at, a, at a great rate. Mm. And it's elicited a lot of comments around the world and a lot of people saying, what are your thoughts, grade cricketer? Yep. Various views yep. from Englishmen, English people, yeah. uh, other people from around the world. Mm. Um, so we thought, you know what, rather than speculate on it ourselves mm. uh, around, you know, the sort of international versus clubman story, yeah, yeah. let's just talk to the guy bowling. Let's just talk to, let's the, just talk to the guy who did it. So we got in, we yeah. got in touch with Stephen Reid from Melbourne Uni CC. He's the guy who's been peppering Hales with bounces. <laughs> We've brought him on the Great Cricketer podcast. He joins us now. Stephen, g'day. G'day, guys. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very good. Probably as well as you were on the weekend when you were bumping superstar Alex Hales. I mean, mm. you saw him. He came to the crease. He's the big show. And you went, yeah. I've got the ball, and I'm going to pepper him with bounces. This is maybe the one chance I'm going to get to do this. What was going through your head when you kind of realised he was on strike? Mm. Um, well, in fairness, I actually thought he was on strike first ball of the game, and it disappeared through point for four. So I thought, oh, this is a good start. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we had a bit of a plan to try and make him um, hook to the long boundary. And uh, yeah, so we, we thought we'd go up top and he never played the shot. So I kept going. Like how that's just the first plan you have. It's yeah. not like, let's just start out, bowl a good line length. Let's or should we make hit the stumps? Should we hit the stumps? Nah, no. make him hit to the no. long boundary. Let's go up exactly top. It. For, for perhaps uh, listeners other other sides of the world who maybe don't know who Alex Hales are, I'd be surprised if there are people out there who don't know. But he is the current record holder for England's highest ODI score. He hit 171 in England against Pakistan. A devastating batsman. Devastating batsman, Sam. Um, but, but Stephen came on, he just bumped him. I mean, the, the, can we talk about the, uh, the tactics from both ends? Was it to bump Alex Howells from both ends, or was it with your extra pace you thought you might be able to get him to hop around the crease a bit? Yeah, so we, uh, that day we had quite a short boundary to one side, right. so it was about 45 metres, and um, I usually bowl from the other end, but we decided that one of the best options, we had Farwad Ahmed in our side, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd sort of suggested that we should go short at him. <laughs> and, <laughs> but we probably, we, probably sh- yeah. <laughs> we probably shouldn't do it to a short boundary, so we, uh, I swapped ends and uh, away we went. I, I mean, I've got to say I'm a little bit surprised, Stephen. I was expecting you to come in, you know, with as much fire and brimstone as you did on that day. But instead, this just sounds like a just a really well-thought-out, logical, tactical plan yeah. that worked. Yeah. Oh, look, the, the first couple were, yeah, were thought out, and then I got over a bit overexcited and uh, kept going. Um, and as you can see, I got called for a couple of no balls. But um, was, yeah. that, was that because there were three men behind square leg? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No. How does that still happen? Uh, you know, adult men still making that, that mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens so, all the so, time too, so, doesn't it? So yeah. you're saying on an international podcast, Stephen, that there was no deliberate attempts to kind of get one over the international superstar by bumping him. It really was just about trying to protect a short boundary. Oh, look, that had a bit of it, but we uh, we did we did set out at the start to say that we were going to make it as uncomfortable for him as possible. Sure. So there was a there was a bit of chat happening. There was a few short pitch balls, and yeah. uh, I think if if you asked him, I think he might have actually enjoyed it. So. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Well, would you be able to give any insight? I know what happens on the field stays on the field. It's, mm. it's a tired cliche. This is 2016. I mean, <laughs> would you be able to give any insight into some of the things that were said to him and what he might have said back? 
just, oh, I, I can just actually, broadly, I can, you don't have to actually use the words, just kind of the themes that you were going for? Yeah, no, there was a, there was a pretty good bit of chat, something along the lines of, um, do you get paid for this, mate? And he came back with something, and and the return from our fielder was, well, I'm on the same field as you, champ, so what's going on there? <laughs> Champed him. Champed him, yeah, strong. <laughs> um, Steve, I want to know, um, obviously this, is, this has been a somewhat a viral sensation uh, ever since uh, uh, my cricket put it on Facebook. Have you, have you been reading the comments online? Have you been following uh, it every day? I've, I've seen I've seen a couple, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the the guy who who runs Muck TV uh, has mentioned me a few times, and yeah. and I've enjoyed the keyboard warriors, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you ever get, do you ever get the... a few of them to come to the net? <laughs> well, that's, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get the urge to champ them online as well? Just doing the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's been a few people wanting to do that. Yeah, uh, Stephen, we invited Alex Hales onto the show to offer his own right of reply you know, to what you've said, but he declined. Um, to be fair to him, I think he might be on a plane or just has better things to do, yeah. uh, you know, uh, like playing for England. Yeah. Uh, but He was unable to respond by deadline is what we're saying. <laughs> okay, fair enough. He declined to comment. But would you have anything to say to him, you know, while you're on this forum now about uh, the way you bowled to him and the way you responded? Uh, no, look, he responded really well, to be honest. We had a beer after the game, and uh, he was quite complimentary of the way we all went about it. So, Disappointing. Um, disappointing. Yeah, it, it is a bit disappointing that that's the case. But, uh, look, yeah, it, it all ended pretty sportsmanly, like, to be honest. Isn't it just annoying when professional athletes are really just nice They're human nice, beings? yeah, they like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, you just want to go after them more, but uh, yeah. we just couldn't. Well, we haven't been able to exploit the stereotype of an oafish fast bowler against <laughs> an international player. You're a very well-spoken person, so Stephen. Yeah, so who, who has great respect for your opponents. Yeah. Well done to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. No drama. Thanks, guys. Big day? No, big night. I've got to clean up the last two wickets, sing the song, do the covers, sing the song, drink 42 beers in the sheds, have a shower, sing the song, publicly objectify my teammates' rigs, compare sizes, tell everyone how good I was when I was 17, go to a strip club, lie to my wife, then spend all of Sunday being an emotionally absent father and husband. (sighs) Big nights start with grade cricket. Lying to yourself has never been harder. Lads, that time of the week where we take your questions, you being the grade cricketer uh, followers or the people interacting with us on social media via Twitter or Facebook. You're asking us uh, grade cricket, cricket-related questions, and we're doing our best to answer them. This first one comes from Ian Garrett. He says, as Nathan Lyon is from New South Wales, shouldn't he be called Cliffy, not Gazza? Very good question. I guess I've got a couple of things to that, Dave. Uh, firstly, I like the question from Ian Garrett. He's probably well-versed on the topic as well, with his last name also being uh, applicable for, for Gaz territory. Mm. It's in Garrett. Yep. But I like – I'd love a situation where I'm watching cricket and hearing references to Cliff Lyons. Mm. Wouldn't you? And, I mean, if, we are on the, if we're on the Lions uh, New yeah. South Wales train, Jamie as well, maybe a bit too yeah. modern. Mm. Well, Jamie Lyon is actually Lyon, whereas Lyons, Cliffy Lyons is plural, mm. so he's, he's missed out there. There's mm. an inconsistent there grammatically. Have you guys seen the meme floating around about Matt Wade just going, oh, Gary, yes, just Gary it. over and over again. Mm. Oh, I've never laughed so hard in my entire life. Next mm. question. Isn't it funny? <laughs> 
Andrew Bryan has written in. This is a bit of a longer one, so I'm just going to read it out. It's more of a scenario. Okay. Uh, So Andrew Bryan writes in. He says, My dad made a one-year return to grade cricket after 25 years out of the game. That was his first mistake. He came in at number nine, and I happened to be umpiring. There was a dinky-die orthodox, (laughs) no-spinning, 60-year-old bowler lobbing harmless half-trackers. Put simply, he was doing well just to get it to the other end. We've got the picture. My dad played the most awful of crossed-batted hikes you've ever seen across the line and was bowled for a duck. The bowler had overstepped the crease by about a foot. So as my dad walked off, instead of raising my arm for the no ball, I just gave a really disappointed judging glance in his direction as he trudged off the field. He asks, (laughs) as Andrew asks, should I have done anything differently? (laughs) So, I mean, this is is an example of like the son getting one over the dad Mm. in the offering stakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a real chance for serendipity here, isn't it? I mean, it's a chance mm. of serendipity. That's an oxymoron. You're always looking for it. If there was one, but mm. um, but it, it is a serendipitous moment that would perhaps only become around once in a once in a young man's life. And uh, I'd, I'd be sleeping a lot easier if I had my own opportunities to noble or not no not, not my, to noble my dad. My problem or my, my what I'm wondering most about this mm. story is that he says he was playing grade cricket. Yet he was umpiring at the bowler's end, presumably because he was, you know, he could have called a no ball for a front foot no ball. So I've never is, played grade cricket where the the player is umpiring yeah, so at this the stro- is, So this is a mistake. Yeah, this yeah, is another this mistake. Is, I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? When people call grade cricket, like when people call park cricket grade cricket, we need an industry standard. Like grade cricket is just mm. grade cricket, one yeah. level below state. Well, it's the not easy. Level it's not easy now because it's called Premier cricket. Ed Cowan correctly calls it Sydney Test Cricket, yep. um, Melbourne Test Cricket. Same situation, I'd imagine. Very high levels of cricket. Um, I mean, this is actually, we can link this into to Stephen Reid's story, um, bumping Alex Hales. And if you read the comments, a lot of the people who are from England were saying, look how village this is. This bloke's stepping over by like a metre and a half. But every single grade cricketer, legitimate grade cricketer that I've spoken to, and as I've said in the, in the podcast previously, that's too many for my own liking, mm. but they've said that bloke was bowling frightening wheels. Yes. And, uh, and, <laughs> and it Those was actually, words exactly. It was actually terrifying. Yeah. So um, if you are an amateur cricketer in England, your standard of cricket is rubbish. Mm. It is rubbish. It's not great cricket. Great cricket is actually good. Good enough where you can actually, you can see your dreams. Your dreams are there. You can touch them, but you're still miles away from it. We're still, we're, <laughs> we're still colonial subjects of England, yeah, though, so everything yeah, we do yeah, will yeah. be, we'll be in, the coin, as the world, we'll yeah. be in free yeah. can, can I just Can we stick with the hypothetical for a second, Let's though? Do it, mate. Uh, Sorry. Aside from the inaccuracies of calling it grade cricket, how dare you, yeah. uh, Andrew? <laughs> I want to know some context. Why hasn't he called no ball to save his dad? How is his dad treating him growing up? There's a lot of Freudian stuff to this. There's mm. a lot. I mean, more reason to get Steve bit off on this show. Steve, yeah. if you're listening. Child psychologist Steve Bidoff. Well, did his dad look at him when he was walking off? Because eye contact is essential here, and, well, and you know the real can't question. assume it, I guess. Also, I mean, this wasn't a crime of passion because if this bowler was going that slowly, he saw the no ball, and he had time to actually you know map this out, and you know he actually. I mean, the slowness of the bowl is what I'm trying to say. He had time to say no ball, but he watched this whole thing unfold. Yep. And uh, gleefully, gleefully, or always gleefully, <laughs> and from the very core. So I guess just to go around the circle, did he do the right thing? No, I wouldn't have done that. You, you would have no-balled him? I would have no-balled him. It's the rules of cricket. <laughs> law. <laughs> law. Simple law. Forget context. Law 801. Yeah. Front foot, no-ball. no eat. No this four years of exploring the social dynamics of cricket <laughs> just comes back to law. Uh, we've got one here, boys, from Daniel Friend. He says, no cricket on at night. I've had to watch Gilmore Girls with the missus. She says it's her TV time. 
did she alpha me? Oh, she alphaed strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilmore Girls. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're all pleased with the return of Gilmore Girls. Yep. Um, but uh, TV, it, is it, it's her time, is it? That's cute. Um, Day-night test matches, ODIs, replays, YouTube. Robolinda videos on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, is that how you say it? I'm not sure. Yeah, I it's, say Robolinda, but it could be... I, it's the first time I've ever said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it in my head so many times. So yeah. many it didn't times. didn't sound like that. Yeah. Is it, it's Rob... It's clearly married or partnered yes. with someone called Belinda, and it's just an yeah. amalgam yeah. of But his name. name's not Ro, Robol, is it? Robolinda. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll start a joint... Yeah, we'll start a joint YouTube channel. <laughs> and he clearly dominated. I don't know how many... Videos Belinda is updated. Yeah, there's a masculinity problem with this question because the, <laughs> the inference is that when the missus, and that's just the character, uh, says it's her TV time, why does that imply he must sit with her through all of that? Are you one body and one flesh? Like, you know, as it is in marriage constructs? Is this 1950s? Go off and do your own thing. Read a book, go for a run, have some of your own time. Why do you have to watch Gilmore Girls? Get your own OLED TV. Well, it's on Netflix, so she can just take a laptop into the bedroom and watch it there while you watch whatever's on Channel 9. Unless, of course, this is from a low socioeconomic background uh, family, so therefore... ADSL 2 plus. (laughs) Patchy. I like it how no one ever knows if they're getting alpha and they always have to write to us, am I, yeah. am I being <laughs> alpha? It's so vulnerable. Mate, every day you're getting alpha, like whether it's the bloke who's the barista who's champing you when you're getting your coffee or the yeah. bus driver that, yeah. that drops you five mm. metres away from your yeah. stop. You're it's just, just like, getting alpha like at every me. turn in yeah. life. Every, every turn uh, yeah. in, this, in this studio, about yeah. 47 times, we'll alpha each other. It's yeah. just yeah. the way life is. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when you go to an ATM and there's one person in front of you already using that ATM and you've got to wait six seconds. Is mm. that person offering me? Have Fox Sports offered us by putting us into yeah. an even darker room this week? Yeah. literally a light. You'll go crazy you. thinking about it. So just stop thinking about <laughs> yeah. it, guys. You're always being offered. But please keep sending your questions. Hashtag yeah. AskTGC. <laughs> please. Okay. We, we, have a, we have another one. Do we okay. have time? Yeah. No, we've got time. We've got time. time. No, we've got time. Please. Always Matt, got time. Matt, <laughs> Matt Dawson. Uh, writes in, he says, as a wicketkeeper, I've come to the conclusion on more important life choices and decisions chatting to my slip than I have talking to my mum. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a yeah, question. Yeah, it's, yeah, just yeah. A, it's just a comment. To yeah. it. It's actually not a question, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, why is he saying my You slip? don't own the slip. It's the possession of the slip is the concerning issue here. I mean, this is some sort of cuckold relationship with over I've seen one. I don't reckon anyone's ever made a great life decision on you know the advice from Alan from Second Slip. So the the slips, I mean, they might be the, they might have the best chat. The slips, but rarely will they be have the mm. best life balance. Only I'm going to do that apprenticeship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back to uni because he said so. I like that there can only be two people to chat about life issues or choices with, and that's your mum or Second Slip. Yeah, it's mum or my slip. Yeah, not first. First Slip doesn't get a look in. So second slip's usually the chop king, though, isn't it? I mean, someone who's had the most sexual encounters. Yeah. That's the person who almost always feels a second slip. Um, that's why I feel the square leg. Nothing more specific than that. They're just encounters. Yeah. Do you feel like when it, come, when it comes to slip politics, that the second slip is usually the more athletic of the first or the second, or is that just no, Australian cricket? No, it's not in 93 with Mark Because no, you're at yeah. second slip, you can, you can go to gully, you can go to cover, you can top on the boundary, you can do anything from second slip. First slip is constrained to that one position. Yeah. That, that, it's a figurehead role. It's like the presidency. <laughs> uh, it's like governor general. Yeah. governor general or prime minister. Yeah. I mean, who really calls the shots? Governor well, general first well, line well, of the queen, well, but the really. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. So first slip is the queen. <laughs> In Australian federal politics, in the power structure, yeah. Yeah. how does slips relate to um, Australian politics? To the hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. So Governor General is is first slip. The, I queen, think... the Queen's the wicketkeeper. 
First slip has a nominal power, but very rarely uses it. Correct. Queen is the wicketkeeper, mm. can pretty much do the most things if they need to. Second slip really orders the shot, calls the shots and has the most social power, mm. and people vote for them. Mm. And Pauline Hanson's a mid-on. <laughs> <laughs> Shining the ball, making it as red as possible. If you'd like to hear more discussions like this on the boil, please write in to us, uh, Facebook, DM, face, whatever, Twitter, uh, we don't really want to punish you online by talking about it all the time, writing comments and stuff and promoting ourselves via the written word. So we're just asking you now. If you've got a question for us, write in. That's all the time we got this week, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Stuart McGill, wonderful guest. Nice to have Stephen Reid on, bumping international cricket players. Nice to see Grey Cricket doing well on the internet. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, perhaps tell one of your mates. Perhaps tell your dad. Don't tell your dad. Tell your mum, though. She might listen to it. She don't listen to it. Call your dad. Pick, pick up the phone. <laughs> Just give him a call. Just give him a It's coming close at Christmas. You know, he, he wants to hear from you. And if he likes books, then uh, I'm not going to talk about our book, but next week we go highbrow. Next week we can announce that we're speaking with the greatest cricket writer in the world, Gideon Hay. He's joining the Great Cricketer podcast. Why is he doing that? I don't know. Unless someone better comes on during the week, in which case we'll just We'll tell, bump him. We'll, bump him. Just, we'll bump him. Mm. We'll bump him. Just like Stephen did Alex Hales. Cheers. Thanks.